Welcome everybody to Damage Radio. We're heard here live on MockerRadio.com where music reminds me. You already know me. I'm R.C. alongside my guest. This man we met back in 2010 at Legends of the Ring in Monroe, New Jersey. He had on that cowboy hat looking like a young Shawn Michaels. He came up to us and he's like, can I cut a promo? And out of nowhere, the fire out of this man's mouth, shooting that promo, being like Shawn Michaels, telling everybody he's putting everyone on notice, man. He is the main state icon Ryan Michaels Colson. Ryan, thank you so much for your time, man. Great to see you. How are you? How have you been? I've been great, man. How about yourself? Good. I'm I'm good. Uh, I'm on the off season down here. I work with lobster lobstering, and I'm on a few months off season. So, with with the COVID, I got not doing much of anything except for just hanging out. So, what is that lobstering? I don't even know what that is. What is that? Tell the damage fans. The, the, excuse me? What do you do for a living? Uh, I uh, work with lobsters. Work on a lobster boat. And, uh, oh, wow. And I uh, work on a wharf. So when the boats come in, I'll take the lobsters and measure them and weigh them and put them on the truck. And then they go all over to states, like where you are, and right. all the other states. Wow, man. How long have you been doing that for? Oh, it's it's pretty much self-employed work, so... I do. I work with lobsters, and uh, have you ever heard of bloodworms? Yes. I I dig bloodworms and dig clams and scallops, and uh, and then the in the winter time I will go in the woods and I'll pick what they what, it's called brush for Christmas wreaths. Okay. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I have. Yeah. So uh, I I'll do that, and uh, so I I work seasonal all year when I'm not doing promoting the wrestling and and wrestling all right so let's go back to the beginning man tell the damage fans a little bit about yourself well uh i was born in maine and raised in maine uh grew up with uh in a small town in harrington uh and just loved loved wrestling pretty much since i was seven years old and uh our town has about the town I live in has about a thousand people in it, the whole town. So if if I want to go to like a uh, McDonald's, I gotta I gotta drive a half hour. If I want to go to Walmart, I gotta drive an hour. Really? Yeah, and I go quite often. So I I, I spend a lot of time on the road. Wow, man. So tell the down fans a little bit about Maine. What what what's popular in Maine? Uh, what do you what do you guys do there for fun? Uh, when you're, you can get in trouble a lot living in Maine. Okay. Uh, I try not to do that no more as I'm getting older, but, uh, you just find, you, you find the fun with hanging out with the people that you grew up with, uh, outside stuff, hunt, hunting, uh, cause there's, there's really not a lot to do, but you, you if you're from here, you find stuff to do with you don't understand it like somebody that somebody that lives where you are you'll be like how do you how do you stand it down here right because i mean you probably live in an area where if you want to do something it's really close 5 minutes not even yeah yeah so but uh work, work with the work with the on the ocean it's really pretty down here like i, I live right on the ocean so so this this if you're from here and you know what's going on, this 
there's always something to do. I saw that. That was pretty cool. I saw the pictures that you sent me. Like, you're right by the river. Like, like there's a house right on the river, and you can go right fishing. On the ocean. Yeah, yeah right, right on. Like, that's the ocean. Okay. The ocean. Yeah, that's wild, uh, man. And so I grew. I grew up on the ocean. Like, if I if I walked out my door right now, I I walk across the road. I'm I'm at the ocean. That's crazy. So, how, when did you discover professional wrestling? Uh, I started watching wrestling when I was like seven years old. Um, I remember my, my, my earliest memories are like Flying Brian and Lex Luger and the Z-Man. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, who else? Like Junkyard Dog. During the, the WCW years is when, okay. when I started watching it and, and getting, really getting into it as a fan. And I, and, was that like early '90s? Uh, oh man, that must have been late '80s. Hey, okay. Yeah, it had to be late late '80s. Nice. Like, so yeah, my 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 like uh, some of my earlier memories are like the Yellow Dog, which was Brian Pillman. Right. That that's that's the time frame I remember watching it. Awesome. So, what got you hooked? Was there a certain match promo? Uh. Well, I, I, it was uh, it was nothing that I really thought I would ever do because, you know, when you're when you are when you're a fan of something, a big fan of something, you re you really don't think you're going to be doing it. At least I didn't think I was going to be doing it. And I did a, a show. I promoted a show that was I wasn't supposed to promote at the time. I didn't know it. I just put some together in a high school gymnasium with an old boxing ring, like old boxing ring with two but with all wood. And uh, I sold tickets, and bunch of my bunch of the friends from town got together and they dressed up as characters, and we had a, a comedy wrestling event, and we drew f f over four hundred people. Uh, Crazy, and. Uh, then I found out we wasn't supposed to do that event because there was a commission. Yes. I found out there was a commissioner and you had to have the commissioner there and all kinds of rules at the time. You couldn't fight outside the ring. You had to have a license. So then it, for a while that ended and I, I didn't, I didn't think I'd be doing it. And then uh, at the time I was working for this, for the state uh, legislators, like for for the state, and I was putting up campaign signs, and spent about a year doing that with one of the representatives from down here. And when I got done, uh, they said, "This was me and a couple of them of my friends that started doing this," and uh, the guy from the Legislate office says, what can we do for you to, to say thank you? And just playing around, I go, get us hooked up with WWE. And so the, the funny story is we got hooked up. We got hooked up with wrestling school from Vince McMahon directly. Because Vince, uh, the state, uh, 
legislator or I can't remember what it's called. He, he's a district, uh, not like a governor, but he it's like a, it's like somebody that runs the, a certain district. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I can't remember what they call it. But he called up the WWE and asked and spoke to Vince McMahon directly. And Vince McMahon said, you can't do anything with us, but I'll get you hooked up with a school. And they said, where do you live? And we said, Maine. And he got us hooked up with Tony Atlas and Amanda Storm. Amanda, uh, Amanda Storm was Tony's partner at the time. Right. And then uh, we went from there. So we got directly put into wrestling school in the direction of wrestling school from Vince McMahon. That's crazy. Now, did Tony Atlas come to Maine to train? Vince McMahon, uh, Tony Atlas lives in Maine. Really? Yeah, Tony Atlas lives in uh, Lewiston, Maine. So he had he had a small school that he run out of like he run the school out of places that he was having shows that night. So the school wasn't constantly run. The schools run. He had a three hour class every time he had a show. So we started out. Me and four of my friends started out in Gray Gray Maine, and we started training in from Gray, and then I became. A wrestler with Tony and a partner in promoting with him. So I wow. promoted I promoted the state and put together shows for him, and uh, we became pretty good partners and friends. That's awesome, man. So what what inspired you to pursue this in the business? Inspired me to wrestle? Yeah, I just I just loved it. Like I, I wanted to do it, and I like I like to act, and I like to I like to be in front of a crowd and. I just, I always, I always just wanted to do it. I didn't think I'd be doing, I, I, I didn't, uh, I, I knew, I, I knew I wanted to do it. And I always said, I'm going to do it. I am going to do it. But it just, I just fell into luck. And I, I'm glad I did. <laughs> Definitely, man. Now I'll talk about what was it like when, um, so were you ever looking for like a top three schools that you wanted to go to or was, was Tony like you're in and you knew oh, that was the school you well, wanted to be at? Tony, Tony was the person that I, once I started with Tony, school started, school started coming to me and, and, and promotion started coming to me and asking me to come to them. But at the time I was, I was loyal. Like I am with any job. Like I was loyal. I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to turn, and I know business is business, but I wasn't going to turn my back on Tony. Right. So I was going to stick with Tony and, and and do what he said because I, I believed I was getting mentally trained too, not just physically trained. But so I was I was going to do what he was telling me to do, and have one top trainer, and not get confused by different things people were saying. Definitely. Now, how how is Tony? We see him as his character. In the ring, we saw him on Legends House with the whole laugh and all that. How is Tony as a person? Real good, really good. Like he's a lot, he's a lot, a lot, lot smarter than people would give him would would think he is. Like he, because on a lot of videos and and a lot of times you see him in person, he kind of comes off as goofy. Right. But he's very he's very smart. Have you ever seen some of his drawings? No. Yeah. When you get a chance, look up some of his drawings because he is a amazing, amazing artist. Really, like he like he draws 
people's photos. Like there's a there's a couple pictures of he drew of Andre the Giant and Roddy Piper and other people, and he's very very good at drawing. That's, that's cool, man. So what what what's one thing that you've learned from him that uh that you take with you to this day in the wrestling oh, ring? Most of what I learned from him that I that I take with and that and that helped me become a little bit successful is the mental aspect of wrestling more than what I learned in the ring. Most of the stuff I learned in the ring, I learned from, as I went along from other wrestlers, uh, other wrestlers in the business, like match by match um, and listening to people in the locker room. He taught me about what to do in wrestling, who to watch out for, uh, and the way to, the way to, be behind the scenes with wrestling. And I think, and to me, that's more important than most, most everything. So what's one thing you wish you would have known when you first started out that you know now? How, how backstabbing it is. And like, yeah. and I'm sure that's the way in radio too. I'm sure. Right. It's, but wrestling is very backstabbing and like they call like, I I learned when I was coming in there. Have you heard of the soft handshake? Yeah. Well, I was told that because of the brotherhood and the respect, which and I, I'll I'll shake the hands of people like that 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 want to, but ninety percent I have not seen brotherhood. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people just will kick the feet from under you. If knock you down to get to, to, to get further in, in their career yeah and even if it's not even if it's if they see that i what i've seen is if if they see a little bit of success in you even if the, even if they think even if they don't think they're gonna get that success they'll take your feet from under you right not everybody's like that but not to me i 90 percent of the people are just that way yeah. And probably in real, it's just the way they. I'm sure that's real life. Yeah, definitely. Now, talk a little about about the main professional wrestling scene. Is is it is professional wrestling popular? I mean, it's getting there. Uh, I was always good at promoting. Like I was good at promoting. Like my shows, I never booked like big names because I I always looked at it as a business to to make money. And there's a few times I booked some big names, but. I usually book local talent from around the the country, and I always was I was able to draw four fifty five hundred people with no names, because because I spent from the time I announced the show I spent three months promoting it hard. Like I, I didn't sit down on my butt. I I traveled and I promoted and I and I marketed people. Why would it be a good good reason to go to this show? And it helped that a lot of the places I went to, there was nothing to do. But I, I promoted, like, statewide. And, uh, but, it, yeah, it, it did help because there was nothing to do in a lot of the places I promoted. And I gave people three months to know that this show was going to happen. So it helped. And right. my shows were big for an indie show. Correct, yeah. So talk a bit about, you know, you said it's a business. Talk about what did you have to learn to be a businessman in this business? Uh, Promoting yourself, I, shirts, everything. 
I'm sorry? Like promoting yourself, like selling your shirts, uh, promoting yourself, make, uh, being, t- telling people who you are, like all that stuff. Oh, I just, uh, I, uh, I just learned to be, one, be a good person to people, uh, be respectful to people, and then people w- will buy your product. Just be- a lot of people will buy your product just because you're a good person. Wow. And just because they respect you, and and even if even if they don't want the product, they're gonna they'll buy it. Just be good, and a lot of people want the product, but just be good to people and uh, be respectful to people. And if you give back to the people, then they get they'll give back to you. So when you were in Tony Atlas's school, how many students were in your class? Four. <laughs> wow. Only four. There was a few. There was a few. Like there was probably ten to twelve throughout the time I was there, but four at the most at one time because people would leave, people would leave, and a couple more people come in, so it didn't go above four people. So because Tony had his hand hand on you guys. It was like he he coached you through it hands on. I'm sorry. So Tony Atlas coached you guys hands on. He taught you the ins and outs, and it was and felt more personable. Yeah. Um, That's cool, man. So, so, and then, but most of the time, my, my training and my, like I said, my training and my, what I learned came from other independent wrestlers. I didn't, there wasn't a whole lot, a lot, a lot of time in the ring with Tony. There was, like, he'll say, he would tell us what to do. And then during, during the show, when we put, us in the ring with somebody, he would put us in the ring with somebody that can could teach us, and then we we learn from there, and and then every time we got in the ring, we learn more and more. Right. So take us back to your first match in professional wrestling. Who was it against? Um, how many people were in attendance? What was the outcome? What was your theme music? Um, my first my first match, and I I started promoting right off the top. Like my first match, I promoted that show. It was in Machias, Maine. We had 450 people there, and I wrestled Bull Moose Calhoun. And Bull Moose is seven foot tall. Wow. 500 and 525 pounds. He's got. He's a guy that wears overalls and and uh, and it was. I think. I think it was a handicap match, and I wrestled him. And uh, it was a short match. He he pretty much squashed me. Nice, but it was fun. Definitely. So that was what, was that, what was that adrenaline like, man? It was good. I I, I loved it. And it. Just going out there, my music hit. I can't even remember what music I had, but uh, and then looking at, at everybody in the whole in the whole gymnasium, and I'm like, wow, this like, because everybody told me leading up to it indie shows in a lot of places get 150 200 people less than that so i I automatically want to prove them wrong and and get more than that and when i when i did it i looked i looked around the gymnasium i'm like this place is packed i'm thinking this place is packed and i saw some people that i did that i knew and i just some people that i knew didn't think i would be i could do it and it was just a good feeling like proving them wrong and and then the kids, the kids that were there, just a good, just a good feeling to, 
of accomplishment. Right. And then going through that curtain after that match, man, the the things that were probably going through your mind. Oh, I just, I, I, the things that were going through my mind is I'm, I'm doing it. I love it. I'm proud of myself. I was thinking, and, and, and then it, another, another part was like going, ha ha to everybody, yeah. everybody that didn't think I could do it. Like, take that. Yeah. Like, now, just like a dance partner, you got to be in sync with them. Have, having a professional wrestling opponent, your life is in their hands and vice versa. Talk about the importance of that. And did, ever, did anything ever go wrong? No, no, nothing ever gone wrong with me. Most of the people I, I was in the ring with were, were decent. And, and the ones that weren't that good didn't do anything that didn't do anything that would they didn't do anything that would hurt me. But like uh, I've I've never really had any any I've never been hurt that bad in the ring ever. Luckily, but you can you yeah. can get hurt. I've seen people. Um, when I first started wrestling, there was there was a kid. I think I think it was in Massachusetts. I think his name was Spider that passed away because he. Uh, did you ever hear that? Yeah. I think there was a kid named Spider, and I think it was in Massachusetts that took a dive outside of the ring and, and hit his head on the cement floor. And I think he, I think he passed away, but I'm not sure. I think his name was Spider and I think it was in Massachusetts. And that happened when I first started wrestling. Um, and Tony was telling us about the dangers and stuff of it. Cause he always said that too. And uh, at the time there was a commissioner, his name was Al Biondi, and he was strict on it. He was very strict on what the new kids could do in the ring, because you could not you could not fight outside the ring, but then, and you could not throw over the top rope or climb the top rope, and there, there could be no blood, Jeez. and you could not swear, obviously. Right. But then, then uh, there's no there's not a commission in Maine no more. And I think a lot of states don't have commission no more. Okay. So Is there what a did you are? I believe so, yeah. I believe so. Now, what do you enjoy more, promoting or wrestling? Uh, now promoting because I get to do I do a lot of I do a lot of stuff with children and uh work with the childhood cancer. So, I keep very busy. I keep very busy promoting because I don't, it's not just promoting the wrestling shows I promote. I use wrestling as a as a platform to promote childhood cancer and people, kids that need some extra help and community, even community people that fall into a struggling time. So I've been wrestling long enough where my name, I'm known as the wrestler and I can do other things because of, because of the name that I, I made for myself. So promoting, yeah. promoting would be the, the thing that I enjoy the most. Let's talk a bit about that, man. I know you love to give back, like you just said. Talk a little bit about, about the promoting the shows for childhood cancer and other fundraisers and uh, some of the things that you've done for that. Well, I, I've, I've been working with, um, like, like I said, since day one, since the first show I did, it, w- it was a fundraiser event to raise money for, for somebody. And, uh, and every show I've ever done was... I made sure 
that the money money was going to go to somebody. Like I would I would not do a show unless somebody was going to benefit off of it. And that was my rule. I, I was every show I, I did, it was going to be for somebody. And I, whether it be somebody that died in a car accident or or an adult that had cancer or somebody that lost a family member or a house burns down, I wanted to give back to the community. And it wasn't until I really got involved with the childhood cancer, I met a girl from Bethel, Maine. She was eight years old and she had BCL leukemia. And I really got, I really got uh, emotional attachment to her. And, uh, and then when, because of that, when I opened my eyes to what childhood cancer is, I look, I look back at my, my shows and like 70% of them or 60% of them. And I didn't know, I didn't really know at the time was kids that had died of childhood cancer. And, uh, so her name was Haley and I, 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 started working with her and then I started working with the gold. It's, it's a gold flag, childhood cancer, gold flag. And I started taking the gold flag everywhere to promote the childhood cancer, taking it to the ring with me and not just take it to the ring with me. I, I I'm still in the process of doing this. I wanted to take the, the gold, gold cancer flag to all the towns in the state of Maine, like every single town in the state of Maine and put it on the, on the signs that like entering this town, entering this town, put it on the town um, sign and go to the town offices and be an advocator for the childhood cancer. And, uh, and it, 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 when you, when I did that, I didn't think it would make a huge, huge impact, but it did because I, I had the news stations calling me and, Everybody jumping aboard, and and then it was like a domino effect. So I was proud of that. That everybody was starting to pay attention to it. So was this your goal all along before even getting into this business that you wanted to get back and and, and make oh, sure I people knew, were benefiting? I knew, I, I knew earlier. I said that uh, earlier. I said that I didn't really think I'd be in the position I was. I always said I was going to, but you know, you know in the back of your mind, you, you don't think it's going to happen, but I always said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And when I, when I did do it, when I said I was going to do it, I always said, I'm going to, I'm going to make, make a little bit of money for myself, but I'm going to make money for other people. I never, I never, I always said, it's not going to be just about me. It's going to be about other people too. And if it's just about me, there's no sense doing it. So right. from the first time I started, I, I was always giving back and I will, I'll do it from the time till my, till I'm done. Now you must get an emotional attachment to every one of these fundraisers that, that, you, oh, I, that you put on for the, for these families. Do you, do you keep in touch with them after the show? Oh, I keep in touch with most of them. M- most all of them. I, I give them their privacy. Some of them don't want to stay in touch. Some of them don't want to talk about it. So I give them their respect, but most of them I stay in touch with like, uh, when when Haley Haley passed away, and when she when she passed away, I went through a little bit of time where I I almost didn't want to do it no more. I almost quit. And her, and her her mom asked me not to. So it's a hard thing to deal with because you, because I spend I spend way more time 
being emotionally attached to these people than I do that two hours, two hour time with the show. Yeah. I spend like if I'm working with somebody, I spend three months with investing my time to this family. So it's not just the night of the show. I spend I spend three months and then even after the show, investing my my time and my emotions to them. So um yeah it's emotional and uh but what I I also say what are they going through? What are they thinking about? Cuz some of these kids they know they're going to pass on. Right. Like some some of these 7-year-olds, 8-year-olds they know that their time is not going to be long. So I keep I'll keep doing it because they're I I learned one thing I learned from wrestling is that you can learn you can learn more from a seventy year old and a seven year old than you can learn from anybody else. Right. Yeah, it's so, very emotional. Yeah. So who's one who's one man or woman that you would like to bring in for a show to me that that maybe is a dream person? I would you know what I would love to and and money's really not a like if if I knew I could make the money back off somebody, I would definitely bring in Try to bring in Ric Flair, even for even if you sit down, even if you would sit down. Um, because have you ever? It's hard because some of the people that I love watching on television, that I, that I wouldn't say their name, that I met, and I'm after I met them, I'm like uh, disappointed. Yeah. Have you felt that? Oh, plenty of times. Yep. And then so some of the people that. Some of the people that I was that I admired when I was a kid and and I loved loved watching them. I wouldn't bring them in. <laughs> right. That's the one. That's the only thing that sucks about about that is because you 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 meet people and you're like that that kind of hurt my childhood a little bit. Yeah, that didn't go how I thought it would would have went. Yeah. Yeah. I had plenty of interviews like that when I interviewed someone thinking that they they would be cool but it turned out to be the total opposite situation. And then you lose respect for that person because all you're wanting to do is just get a few minutes of their time, but they're too big for you when, then, when we help make them. And it disappoints you. I mean, it might, it might've been what I've cut, what I said at first, I said, uh, it might've been a bad day. Everybody has a bad day. And then if you meet them two or three times and they're the same way, you know that they're just not a good person. And that's the thing. Not everybody is trying to hurt the business. So you probably see it, professional wrestlers hurting the business, media, some media hurt the business and give wrestlers a bad taste in their mouth that they don't want to do an interview with someone that they don't know. Yep. And, and that's, that's the truth of it, which sometimes you get turned down for an interview because they don't know you unless you're in their bubble and they can, someone can vouch for you and say, oh, he's one of us. He's cool. Sometimes you get the bad end of the stick when you do everything by the book. Yep. Uh, one thing that hurts, that helps and hurts the business, is Facebook. So much like you see, you see some workers or some people in the business attacking other, like personally attacking other workers. I mean, be be an adult, make a private phone call, or go talk to them face to face. You don't you don't have to fight. Right. Have an adult conversation, and probably ninety percent of the times, the problem's gonna get figured out. When you put it online and fight online, it's never going to get figured out because now other people are jumping in and get involved in a small 
argument that the argument should not happen. And you got to remember, you're your own business. So if you're hurting yourself online, you're hurting your business. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. So, Ryan, how long have you been in this business for? Uh, almost 20 years. Wow, man. I remember. It's truthful. This is true. One of my favorite. I show it all the time. One of my favorite videos is the one that you did with me. Really? I, did, I had a good time that weekend. That, like, there was, there, everybody was pleasant. Everybody was good. And I can't believe it's been 10 years ago. But just it wasn't just the wrestling part of it. It was the overall weekend. Like, I remember being down there with uh, Steiners were there, Booker T. And, and then you – like, I, I spent some time with some of the, like, the wrestlers, the big-name wrestlers. And, and we were in the bar talking about anything but wrestling. Like down there with Scott Steiner and oh, you there? Yeah, I can hear you. You there? I can. I can hear you. Okay, you you froze. You you froze for a minute. Yeah, I can hear you. You're good. Uh, so uh, going. I spent I spent like all weekend with like some some of the wrestlers that I grew up watching on television, talking about almost anything but wrestling. Wow. That was fun, like getting to know who they really were. Like I remember walking in, Shannon Moore. Well, Shannon Moore was in there, and for like, actually, there was like four or five of them that did it. Like when I first walked in, they thought I was Shawn Michaels. I'm telling you, that's what we thought too. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And the fire that you had behind that promo, like you had people looking at the camera, what what you wanted, like you. You cut a promo, man. And people who are listening, go back to youtube.com slash completely damaged and check out Ryan Michaels Colson in the promo, man, under Legends of the Ring. He spit fire. Uh, that's, that's the one thing I've been good at. That's the one thing that, I, like, that was far above my, my entering talent, far above everything else. Like, I was, I was good at promos. Like, because like, I felt the passion and I felt the fire in myself and I felt... Like right now, I I I could I, I could, I'm still good at them, but if, like when you when you have a passion and you have a feeling inside, it just comes out. Like, uh, and I could do that. I could do that. Like the, the drop of the hat. I could do that every time at the drop of a hat. And it was just what I was good at. It was what I was good at. Uh, but I appreciate that. That 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 was a a fun time. And you got you got my name out quite a bit out there with that. Thank you, man. And my pleasure, man. And uh, how was that trip? Uh, what was your initial goal and plan of coming to, to New Jersey? What were you trying to get out of it? Well, uh, it was weird. I came down with All Out Mayhem Wrestling. All Out Mayhem Wrestling brought me down. Gave me, and paid me. Paid me a uh, hundred bucks. Paid for my oh. hotel. Paid for, my, paid for most of my food that weekend. And, and, uh, the all, like, I found this out like five years down the road. All of me, uh, Legends of the Ring, when I came in, they didn't tell me this. Somebody else told me this. Thought I was an extra for WWE. They thought I was a, like, a, 
enhancement talent. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if that's true, but that's what I was told. And that's why they put my name on the on the guest list. Wow. I don't know if that's true. Dude, that's amazing. But I I said that's cool. Yeah, right? I still them guys are nice. I still talk I still talk to them once in a while. They're good people. Yeah, man, they are. They always invited us in there and and let us go wherever we wanted to go. And uh yeah, I can't wait to go back, man. I can't wait till COVID's over and uh we can all go back to doing what we love to do. Is there anything planned? Like not even right now, man. Nothing even talk not, about. Not right now. They're doing small shows here and there, you know, with minimum attendance. But any conventions right now, it's just all online conventions, like like mail in signings and stuff like that. And those are no fun. No, not at all. I'm de- I'm coming back. I'm coming back when I when I do it. Um, we need to have you, man. What what is uh, what's the what are they allowing for people in now for a show now? Um, it's got to be six feet distance, and uh, sometimes you get like maybe 20, 30 people, maybe tops, depending on how big the building is. Yeah, we're allowed. We're allowed fifty people inside, and a hundred people outside. So I'm gonna do a few shows coming up. I'm gonna do a couple outside shows in May and June, where I can have a hundred people. And I think right. I figured something out. I think I'm gonna have a show on. I'm, I think I'm gonna have a show and ask ask the the next town, the next land, like the, the, the land that's next to the, the land I'm doing a show. Right. If I can put hundred, if I can put a hundred seats on their part on their property, and then hundred seats on the other property, that's two hundred people, and it's on two different properties. That's awesome, man. Let's see if it works. Right. So talk to us about about, about your career. Um, what were some of the favorite highlights thus far in your career, looking back? Uh, wrestling Larry Zabisco. Really, the living legend. Yeah, and one of, and I think it was one of his last matches. Cause I, don't, I, I look on, I look, I, I look online, I look for stuff he's done, and he might have done some stuff in Florida a couple times, but I think I wrestled him in Maine, in Caribou, Maine, and. Uh, and I wrestled so wrestling Larry Zabisco, uh, wrestling Tony Atlas, uh, the Bushwhackers, um, Bushwhacker, sorry, Bushwhacker, um, uh, Butch, Lenny, Lenny Poffo. Okay. So, but Larry Zabisco was was the was my highlight because he was a former world champion. Right. So, so all these legends that you just mentioned, what's one piece of advice that they might have given you or you learn it after the match after talking with them that you didn't know before? Well, the, the best advice, the best advice and the best thing I always remember hearing was from Larry Zabisco saying, saying, uh, if you do good, everybody does good. Or if somebody like everybody's on the same team and I knew, but it was just, it, it was good hearing it from him and the way he, the way he said it, right. he was saying that when you talk down and you talk bad, the whole business is now looking bad. Pretty much what you said too. Right. And so I, I always remember that. Uh, so then, then uh, I remember Rick, we had Rick Fuller at a show. I don't know if he wrestles no more. Yeah. But um, 
And then we had one, we had one, actually it was Rick Fuller. And uh, everybody thought, some people still do at the time, because they come up to me and say it. They think he's Kane. They thought he was Kane. Really? Yeah, but he's not, obviously not. But I, I, people come up to me and they tell me that all the time. Remember that time Kane came to the high school? Oh my God. Not Kane, but not Kane. <laughs> That's funny, man. So how about, how about Lanny Poffo? How was that? He was good. He was nice. And that was like, that was not too long ago after Randy, Randy Savage passed away. He actually came down. Uh, I was working on an event for a girl that, that passed away of organ failure. Um, and I found out that she, she had organ failure because when she was a little girl, she had childhood cancer and the chemo did it. And, and, uh, she was she was in her twenties. She was in her twenties and passed away because she was cancer free, but the past chemo da- damage it did to her body caught up with her from cancer took her life. But um, that that was a good time uh, with with Lenny Poffo. He came down and he stayed at um, he stayed down at. The All Up Mayhem promoters, because All Up Mayhem promote, uh, All Up Mayhem booked him to bring him to my show, and that guy is so nice and worked with worked with him. Didn't have to get a hotel because he stayed at his house on the couch, and and I think he charged him like two hundred bucks. Now, wow. if you think you you thinking to yourself, Randy Macho Man Savage's brother. Charged two hundred bucks and and said, "I don't I don't need a hotel. I'll sleep on your couch." You th- you think he would? He's in the position where he could do he could charge more than that. Correct. Yeah. And he didn't. So it just shows he's a nice guy. Yeah. Because he he could charge more than that. Right. Now, are you when when you're bringing in people, are you aware of how much money and aware of how some people may skip out on a show not being a promoter? Are you? I I don't usually book the big names, uh, like somebody that somebody that uh, it was like I do what the Legends of the Ring does. If somebody wants to make money and bring somebody on my show, they'll pay for them and they'll book them, because my whole my whole thing is make money, not spend it. Yeah. And I I know that I'm gonna have three to five hundred people without, without a name. Yeah. So to me, it's like taking money out of my pocket. But if somebody wants to get a name and bring them in, and, and the money's not coming out of my pocket, no problem. Because the money is going into a fundraiser. Yeah, that's more important to you. Yeah, exactly. And bringing a big name. I got you. I, I've always looked at it like Tony told me. Look at it as a business. Right. I, I, I I do book Tony, so I book Tony. Nice. And I pay him, but obviously. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, he's nice to you on the booking aspect since since, since you train with him. Yeah, good, good. So, um, what were your thoughts on completely damaged when you left New Jersey that day to now? Because, like, from what you told me, I'm surprised. Damage is a pretty household name in Maine. Da- da- down where, I, where I'm from, people people watch your product. I don't know when, I don't know how often, but often because people come up and talk to me about it. So I don't know when it's on, when it's on the on the television. Because they 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 play it 
here and there, but it's often. So that's wild so, to me, man. That that I'm known in Maine. Like I never thought that would ever happen. That's pretty cool to hear. And 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 for you to help promote me there, just that, you know, being a nice guy as you are, that was pretty cool, man. Well, hey, you did you did something for me that that little short video was I because I read the comments and I read I I watched the YouTube and that little short video got got my name out quite a bit. Right. And uh, so I appreciate that. So that's the least I can do is get get your name out since you got my name out. Most definitely, man. Now tell the fans who is Ryan Michaels Colson? Who is this character? What is your in-ring style like? Uh, m- most of my time in the ring, I played a heel, which is is kind of weird because not weird, but it's kind of like how I am out of the ring and what I'm what I'm about. So like I'm put, putting on these shows for cancer, and I'm and I'm going around town and I'm promoting the show, and and I putting the posters up, stopping and talking to businesses. And then I switch over, but uh, so that's one of the reasons I switched to to the good guy, the face. But most of the time, I'm a heel, and my and it heels so much easier because you got to do so much less in the ring, like like chokes and kicks and low blows, and so it's so much easier to be to be the bad guy in the ring, easier working in the ring. So I like I like that because I'm not the greatest technical wrestler. But when I'm a bad guy, I don't have to be, because right. I can I can choke I can put somebody in the corner and choke them. I'm getting I'm getting I was always good at getting a reaction. Like people hated it. Like I could just grab them by the like I grab them by the throat, and the crowd is yelling like I just power bombed them. Nice. And to me, I could I, I just had a, it made a lot of people mad that I could do so little and get a bigger reaction than somebody wow. that goes up yeah. up there and does the cartwheels and the flips. And I could go out there and just make a certain look, or say, "I'll go shut up," and I'll get that. I'll get a better reaction than someone that just just went out there and did and, and busted the butt in a match. Right. So I I'm, I know psychology of wrestling because there's lots of people out there, lots and lots of people out there that if you turn the volume down on the television and watch the wrestling match, mine looks terrible. But if you turn the volume up and you listen to the crowd, I can keep up with anybody. It's awesome. And it's not because of my in-ring talent. It's because of my my character and my ability to draw heat and my promos. It's definitely not because of my in-ring talent. Nice. So where has wrestling taken you? You, you, said, you said you're here in Jersey, Maine. Uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island. Uh, have you, you must have heard of big-time wrestling. Yeah. I've worked for Big Time Wrestling. Um, actually, um, I was in. Things didn't go. Things didn't go fully. Things didn't go go this way. But after completely damaged, TNA Wrestling was talking to me for a little bit. Really? Because they wanted to do a uh, Billy a, a a joking cameo kind of thing with Shawn Mia, Shawn Michaels, and Billy Gunn and Road Dog. No way. It, it, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. But I was in con. They were talking to me. That's about, wild. So, so TNA watched you on completely damaged and 
found you and they were trying to get you on one of their episodes. They they definitely saw you. They definitely saw the completely damaged because they told me, but they also uh, saw me that day. Dixie Carter saw me that day, wow. but they did see you completely damaged because they told me. That's crazy, man. For whatever reason, nothing happened. But, wow. I, but I was happy that I, that I was in talks with them. That's that's pretty cool, man. That's something that you can always take down the road with you and you know, always remember. Yeah, yeah. They One wanted the to do. Top, it. Yeah. They wanted me to be a a mini mini Shawn Michaels and just go out there and and do some jokes about making fun of Shawn Michaels and and DX. They, right. they wanted to. Gotcha. But that didn't like, happen, like they but, were doing with the whole VKM. The time. What's that? Like they like they were doing with the whole VKM gimmick. Yeah. Okay, so you were going to be part of that gimmick of VKM. It it was just going to be a, like a, a one off. Okay. Yeah. Well, it could have turned into something more, but right. the way they were talking, it was going to be it was going to be a one off. I think what happened, and I'm, I'm not sure about this. I don't know. I think what happened was one of them got released at, before anything could happen. I think. Gotcha. Right. But okay. I, I was I, I always had that story where it was one That's or two phone calls and then. That's crazy. So that's that's good. That's wild, man. So, what are your thoughts on the business today? I I watch it, but I'm always going to be a fan of of the '80s and '90s. And I th- I think most I think that's in anything. I think I think most people that are in their late '30s, early '40s, or even people that are 50, 60, I think they are a fan of their generation. Right. Like, cause, cause I'm, I'm the same, I'm the same way with music. I like, I like eighties music. I like eighties wrestling. I like eighties sports. And I think it's just the way, the way it is. You get older, you like the generation that you grew up with during your time when you were becoming an adult. I'm, I assume that you probably feel kind of the same way. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the resurgence in professional wrestling of, of all elite wrestling, how yep. they are, trying the whole invasion thing again, but going about it slowly with the whole impact coming in, New Japan coming in. Now AEW just recently signed the formerly known as the Big Show, Paul Wright, to their company. I saw that. As a commentator for a new show coming out, AEW Dark Elevation. So he's going to be a commentator on Monday night for a new show for AEW. So you got him, you got Sting, you got Cody Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes. I'm sorry, uh, Dustin Rhodes. You have all these legends, Arn Anderson, Billy Gunn working backstage with the guys. These, everyone's hungry. You're seeing talent, young talent, finally get a chance to shine. And it's such a great feeling to see now compared to seeing the same guys that we see every Monday Night Raw and every SmackDown on Friday nights. This is a good good new feeling uh, we're getting in professional wrestling and, and I love it man oh I, I, I'm, I'm liking the new the new promotions and it's gonna be even better when you actually have fans in there where you you can feel the the, the electricity between the fans like yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of of the I remember as a kid you and I watched wrestling like uh and I'm thinking some of these guys, they're never going to be the best wrestler. But now I, now as an adult, I'm looking back and I, I have so much more respect for like Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton 
Because yes. in my opinion, now those are the guys that should have had the, had the bigger pushes. Right. Like Arn Anderson, he was, and he has to be one of the best ever, but he just never got the storyline push. Now, if people want to find more information about you on uh, social media and about, about your fundraisers that you've done in the past, where can they go? Uh, they go on a uh, main state icon, Ryan Michaels Colson Facebook page, or just Ryan Michaels Colson Facebook. Um, but most of the wrestling stuff and the charity work will be on the main state icon page and not the personal page. Um, and that's pretty much where they can follow me now. And uh, there's a couple of good promotions that people should check out in this in the state. Um, Limitless Wrestling is incredible, and he it's promoted by Randy Carver. Incredible, like this kid is he's like 22 years old, and he's an he's an incredible mind for the business. Uh, is main event wrestling in, in the state of Maine and. Uh, uh, Larry Huntley runs shows down here, uh, and he's he's awesome. He's he's one of the main he's a main uh, general down here. People respect him. He's cool. To check out you can check him out on Larry Huntley, LarryHuntley.com. Nice. But yeah, Maine's good. So Maine State icon Ryan Michaels Colson, you said that you're great at promos. Nail completely damaged an RC. You're gonna put you on the spot, man. I'm Mystic Man right now, telling you you have a dream match in tw- ten minutes against anybody of your choosing. Who would that be? What would the match be? Stipulation? Give it to me. Uh, I'll, I'll we'll go with Ric Flair. All right. So you get you got a, t- a less than two minute promo. You're facing Ric Flair right now. Tell the fans out there what's going to happen to the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Woo! Ric Flair, me and you, one-on-one, face-to-face, toe-to-toe. I don't care who's in the ring. I don't care if there's 2,000 people, 5,000 people, or zero people. You're going to get in the ring with me, and I'm going to look across the ring at you. You're going to look across the ring at me, and your feet are going to start to get all sweaty. Your knees are going to shake. Your hands are going to get sweaty. Sweat is going to fall off your forehead. You're going to feel like you're going to pass out. You're going to feel dizzy. You're going to feel weak. Your heart's going to beat really fast. But don't worry. It ain't COVID. It's called the icon flu. And the icon flu is when you look over across the ring at me and you start to sweat. You feel sick. You feel like you're going to die. You ain't going to die. This is all going to pass. This is all going to pass because you're going to wake up the next day in the hospital with nurses all around you. You're going to be sick because you just went face to face with the icon. It ain't COVID. It's Ryan Michaels Colson whooping your butt. But don't worry. I'll take it easy on you and you will not need your Obamacare. Wow. The mainstream icon always coming through. Ryan, man, it was a pleasure talking to you today, man. Any last words for the Damage fans out there before we let you go? Hey, thank you, everyone, for supporting pro wrestling. For people that, for the few people that might know me, thank you for supporting me. Always support childhood cancer. Childhood cancer is way more out there more than you think it is. Put the gold flag outside your house. Support childhood cancer. These kids need our support. Thank you, and thank you for having me on the show. Awesome, man. So, remember, fans, don't keep it nice and neat. Keep it completely damaged on MockerRadio.com, where music and minds meet. 
Please leave town.